We have before us this morning the benediction that we hear so often pronounced upon us as we conclude our worship services. And we have that benediction. We want to take a little bit of an examination of it, so we'll read it for you. And then Pete, who will be preaching the next two hours and who has the say-so in what scriptures we read, has added to our reading Psalm 67. Psalm 67 is a hymn of praise of the people to the Lord making a claim against that benediction and ensuring the Lord's blessing upon them. They are taking a personal claim to it. So hear now the word of the Lord. First in number six, the blessing. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people and I will bless them. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth hear him. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. We certainly couldn't get through a series of sermons on benedictions and doxologies without looking at this one. This is the blessing in the Old Testament that's called the Aaronic blessing because it is a blessing that was commanded to Aaron, the high priest, and then of course to his sons in succession. Actually, you look at the flow, it's kind of interesting. The Lord spoke to Moses. Moses was to speak to Aaron. Aaron was to speak to his sons and his sons to the people. Mediatorial work, God working with Moses and Aaron and his sons as mediators in God's economy between the Lord and his abundant blessing upon his people and the people who receive it. I'm going to suggest to you right from the outset that the blessing is given to Israel. Verse 27 so shall they put my name upon the people. The sons of Aaron will identify my people. They will give them, in fact, the great name of the Abrahamic covenant. Remember when God called Abraham, he said, I will give you a great name. And that name, of course, is the name of the Lord God, the Lord's people, the one tribe on earth, the one nation on earth at the time that 
identified with the true God, the God of heaven and earth, the only God. And he says, I will put my name on the people of Israel. And we'll say right off the bat that that's speaking of us, the church. We are part of the Israel of God. We as Gentiles have been grafted into God's believing remnant, Israel, who believed in the Messiah, who believed the promises of God. And the Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled directly and ultimately in Jesus Christ and in His church. If ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's a continuity. God in 2000 BC gives the covenant promise to bless In blessing I will bless you, the Lord says to Abraham. 500 plus years later, Moses tells Aaron to tell his sons and his sons' sons in succession to repeat the promise of the blessing of the Lord. 500 years following that, approximately, the people gathered together to sing praise to the Lord for the accomplishment of that blessing, the the fulfillment of that blessing. But then they leave it with a future tense. Did you notice that last verse in the 67th Psalm? God shall bless us and let all the ends of the earth hear Him. A thousand years following that, a voice from heaven came upon Jesus Christ saying, this is my beloved son, the true, real blessing. Hear him. You see the continuity through the scriptures? There's one blessing, and that is Christ. And the blessing of Abraham has come to the Gentiles in Christ. And now when we pronounce that benediction Sunday by Sunday, it's a blessing upon Israel, upon God's people. But let's look at the particulars. I think it'll be helpful to sort of look at it uh, a little closer than we typically do there in number six. First of all, I want to tell you that God gave this blessing to His people only a short period of time when they were out of captivity. God saves His people and He promises to deliver them. He calls upon His people to have faith in Him, believe His promises, trust in Him, and expect with an expectation and a hope that God will deliver. God asks Moses to tell Aaron, to tell the sons to pronounce this benediction upon the people when they were just maybe a year or two out of Egypt's bondage. The book of Numbers, as most of you know, is not called the book of Numbers in the Hebrew text. It's called, it's titled according to the opening words of the book of Numbers. It's called In the Wilderness. And that's where God gives His blessing. Oh, if the Lord had the people in the land of milk and honey and everything was going well and they had conquered and they had lived in houses they did not build and 
drunk from wells they did not dig and had eaten from vineyards that they did not plant and fields they did not sow and everything was wonderful. This blessing would have a good positive sound to it. God gave this blessing to his people when they were in the wilderness, when they were going through the trials and the troubles and all the difficulties of being in the desert having come out of Egypt. So here now, some of the words of the blessing, we'll just sort of sketch through it for just a moment. Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, and there are three strophes here, 15 words in the Hebrew text, 33 words in our English text here, three strophes. Each one has as its subject Yahweh, the true God, the Lord God, the God who said to Moses, I am that I am, indicating that he is the true God, the eternal God, the self-existing God, the God who in every way is the God of heaven and earth. And God is the subject of each one of these strophes. First, the first strophe. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is a prayer as well as a benediction. The people are asking, I mean the the priests are asking God to do this as part of their intercessory work. They are petitioning God to make this blessing come true. And the word bless you is the word barak in the Hebrew And it means to to bless, to the root, it means to kneel or to give praise to or to salute. It means to endue with power for success, for prosperity, for longevity, for fruitfulness. It's a very earthly, vivid blessing. The blessing is for the Lord to give them everything He had promised in the land of Canaan. And you notice the text that we found here in the psalm again points back to that. The Lord has yielded, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. The physical part of the blessing was being fulfilled in the days of King David and King Solomon and the kings to follow in the splendor of the kingdom in Canaan. God had fulfilled His promise. He had kept it in a literal, physical way. There was success in the days of Joshua. There was prosperity in the days of Solomon. There was fertility. God had blessed His people. An interesting little side note (laughs) I kind of study for the sermon and then I kind of, kind of noodle around with it a little bit. <laughs> and last night I was looking up a few things and a few sources that I have beyond what I would typically use. And one of the nuances of the word Barak, bless, is to use it in a sarcastic way and to refer to a curse as a blessing. Like when you have a car wreck, you say, well, that was a blessing. I thought that was an interesting use of the word Barak, not a blessing, a curse. The word that's used for keep is the word shamar, 
Another psalm comes to mind. I'll just let the psalm tell you everything you need to know about what the word keep means. It's the word that's used in the very beginning in Genesis where the Lord puts Adam in the garden to dress it and to keep it. It means to possess it, to hold it, to protect it, to guard it. And that's what the Lord says He will do in this blessing. He will not only bless us with prosperity and all the rest, but He will guard us, He'll protect us, He'll keep us. Listening to the way the psalmist points this out. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be removed. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. What a marvelous blessing God has placed upon His people. And that's just the first strophe. The next verse gives us the second one. We find it there in verse 25. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Well, the, the next one, the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Roughly Hebrew parallelism, two sentences saying similar things, but not exactly the same and enlarging upon one another. The word that's translated countenance in our text is actually the word face. And the word that's translated lift up is really the word turn. So listen to the benediction as it's read like that. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. The face of the Lord, the approving face, the glowing face, the face of God's favor, the smile of God turned upon you. And the Lord here, the language here is that of a benefactor, a superior, a sovereign who has much to give and is anxious to give to a vassal or an inferior, a dependent party or person. God is anxious to give to us and so He's going to pour out upon us two great blessings. The first is grace. The Lord be gracious to you. This is the Hanan. It is the most common word in the Hebrew to describe the favor and the grace of God. It is that grace of God that brings salvation. It's that grace of God as a gift bound and wrapped and ready for us in Christ, God so loved the world that He gave. Christ gave Himself. The Father gave the Son. The Father and the Son give the Spirit. 
It's God bestowing upon us not just gifts, but bestowing upon us Himself. Giving us Himself and all that He can give in His abundance. The Lord make His face to glow, to shine, to smile upon you and be gracious to you. The third and final stroke says, the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord turn His face toward you and bestow upon you shalom, peace. Peace is goodwill, health, prosperity, well-being, wholeness. That's what God wishes upon His people. A God of favor, a God of love. His face shining upon His people and bestowing grace. It's interesting that St. John says in John chapter 1 of the Gospel, that Jesus Christ is to us grace upon grace. This is all about Christ. Christ is the blessing. He is the one we get. We receive Him in His fullness, in His perfections, in His beauty, in His tenderness, in His love, in His strength, in His righteousness, in His holiness. And we receive Him in His humility and His work his giving of Himself, His pouring out of His life, His laying down of His life, Him being delivered up by the Father for our sins. What do we have but what we have in Christ? In Him, all the promises of God are amen. Yes, certainly, positively received. I offer to you this morning nothing less than the gospel in this benediction. Nothing other than Jesus Christ Himself who comes to you to be your Savior and your Lord. For He one day will be your judge. What's interesting is, it's not interesting, it's sad. When Moses gave this to the people, they were a year or two out of Egypt. And about 38 years later, before they ever get to the promised land, shortly after this benediction of the Lord, the people failed in their faithfulness. They refused to go into the land at Kadesh Barnea. They tried the Lord. They rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And Aaron and Miriam rebelled against Moses themselves. So much so that by the time you get to the end of the book of Deuteronomy, when the people of Israel are on the plains of Moab, east of the Jordan, getting ready to go in to conquer the land, crossing and going in to Jericho and into the Canaan's land. The Lord sadly said to the people, I will hide my face from you. 
the God that had said, tell the people that my face will shine upon you and I'll be gracious. I will turn my face to them and I will give them shalom. Same God, Yahweh, told the people, I will hide my face from you. Don't think the Lord's peace and the Lord's grace comes to you cheaply. God is also a God of justice. And when His justice has been violated and people present not a bended knee but a stiff neck toward the Lord, the Lord has a judgment. In fact, if you'll read the details of that passage in Deuteronomy 32 where the Lord says, I will hide my face from you. If you read the details pretty carefully, you know what looks like to me the historic fulfillment of that particular prophecy is? 70 AD, when God cut off his people and destroyed them off the face of the earth with the fall of Jerusalem, the end of the Mosaic order, the destruction of the temple, the abolition of the priesthood, the cessation of the sacrifice. Everything that God had promised them, when they rejected, he turned his face away from unbelieving. And it said, because they are a faithless people. Do we know the importance of faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to see His shining, approving, glowing face. Those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And we must come in faith, believing His promises and trusting in Him. Otherwise, He becomes a God to us, not of grace and peace, with a smiling face, but he comes to us as the God of holiness, righteousness, and justice with his face turned away. I offer one word of gospel and then I'm through. Jesus on the cross received that curse. When God turned his face away from his own son, because his own son was too vile to behold. Habakkuk the prophet said, Thou art of too pure eyes to behold iniquity. And when Christ hung on that cross, bearing all the sins and the filth of our lives, God turned his face away. And when he turned his face away, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you far from me? Why will you not hear my prayers? Let me ask you just one question as I close. Which, which way do you think this morning the Lord's face is turned? Has he turned his face toward you? 
because you're faithful and you've received the blessing that is his son, Jesus Christ? Or is the Lord's face still turned away from you? Not with the smile and the brightness of his countenance, but with a dark and furrowed frown of displeasure. The difference is Christ. If you've come to Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, if Christ is all you cling to, if Christ is your only plea, and you have believed in Him, and trusted in Him, the Father's face is turned toward you for the sake of His Son, Jesus Christ.